Chapter 13 of Stories of the Wars of the Jews by Charlotte Maria Tucker. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Cliff Stone of Sydney, Australia. Chapter 13 The Birth of the Messiah. Reflections on the time and manner of the appearance upon earth of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was at this period, when the gloom was the heaviest, the night darkest, that the Son of Righteousness arose with healing on his wings, that the long-expected, much-desired Messiah at length was born upon earth. Not that this was the first time that the Lord had condescended to appear to his people. As God the Father, robed in inaccessible glory, has never at any time been seen by man, as we who are dust and ashes could not look upon his face and live, it is evident that, on the various occasions on which the Lord became manifest to mortals, it was the Eternal Son who deigned to shroud His glory by assuming a visible form. Thus it was the Divine Son who pronounced the sentence upon Adam in the Garden of Eden, and who held out to the trembling Eve the merciful promise of a future offspring who should both suffer and triumph. It was the Divine Son who listened graciously to the pleadings of Abraham for the guilty cities of the plain, doomed to a terrible destruction. It was the Divine Son who, in the likeness of a man of war, appeared unto Gideon, and by a single look bestowed upon him irresistible might. But this was to be no brief appearance, no passing glimpse of a present deity. The Holy One was to become incarnate, to wear the throbbing flesh, to assume the mortal nature of the creatures whom he himself had created. Well might the heavens wonder, and the earth rejoice at so transcendent an act of condescension. But may we not marvel that, when the Lord stooped to become man, he chose not a time when the faith of his people was strong, when their obedience was earnest? How would the devoted Nehemiah have welcomed his master's coming? With what joy would Judas Maccabeus have laid his conquering sword at the feet of his king? And may we not marvel that when he whom the heaven of heavens cannot contain condescended to wear a mortal body, he did not choose to appear as a mighty monarch cradled in a magnificent palace and adored by all the nations of the earth. We must remember that the Redeemer of the world had a threefold office to perform. He had to save man, satisfy God, and subdue the power of Satan. All men were under sentence of death. Eternal truth had declared the soul that sinneth, it shall die, and eternal justice was engaged to execute that awful sentence. All had sinned and come short of the glory of God. Even the babe that died when but a few hours old, born of the corrupted, inherited a corrupt nature. Who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? pure water from a fountain that is tainted. Before guilty man could be saved, eternal justice must be satisfied. A victim must be found of worth so priceless as to outweigh in the sight of the Almighty all the countless transgressions of mankind. It was not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could wash away a single sin. They were offered by the saints of old to show their faith in and to make them partakers of the benefits of the one great sacrifice which was to atone for the guilt of the world. And the Son of God came not only to save and to suffer, but also to subdue. He would meet the enemy, Satan, on his own ground. Where man had fallen under the power of temptation, 
the God-man would rise triumphant over every temptation which the evil one could offer. One born of woman would, by his spotless obedience, fulfil the whole law which Adam and Adam's race had broken, and in his own strength conquering the conqueror, trample Satan under his feet. We thus behold the Redeemer in his threefold office. To save man, he must assume man's nature. To satisfy God's justice, he must suffer and die. His whole life must be an example of obedience under each form of sorrow and trial. He must bear the weight of poverty, endure the sting of contempt. It was by enduring that he triumphed. It was by suffering that he saved. The lamb bleeding beneath the sacrificial knife, the rock smitten, that its gushing waters might give life to the perishing people, Isaac bound by his own father on the altar. Such were the types of him who, sinless, bore the punishment of sin and who passed to his everlasting kingdom from the torments of the cross and the darkness of the grave. As this work is merely a sketch of the history of the Jews, I shall not attempt to introduce into its pages any account of the life of our Redeemer or the miracles of mercy which he wrought. My office is to describe the political state of the land in which he deigned to appear, to record the crimes of its rulers, to place the dark background of history behind that glorious form which inspired pens have delineated in the Gospels. The tyrant Herod had reigned about thirty-three years when his court was startled by the tidings of the arrival of sages from the east who had received from a heavenly sign notice of the birth of a mighty ruler. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? was the anxious question of the pious travellers, for we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. The monarch of Judea well knew that the expectation of his people was eagerly fixed upon the coming of the Messiah. He must also have known that prophecy pointed towards this time for the Holy One's appearance. The conduct of the tyrant showed that in the mysterious babe born at Bethlehem he dreaded a rival. He sought information of the sages regarding the child that he might quench in blood this dawning light of Israel. Being frustrated by the secret return of the sages to their own land, Herod determined to make sure of his horrible object by a more sweeping act of cruelty. He sent forth and slew all the children in Bethlehem and in the neighbouring coast from two years old and under. Ruthlessly tearing the innocent little ones from the arms of their agonised mothers and filling the land with the lamentations of parents weeping over their slaughtered offspring. But it is in vain for man to fight against the decrees of God. An angel had appeared in a dream to Joseph, the babe's reputed father, and warned him to flee into Egypt with the Virgin Mary and her infant son. Thus every babe in Bethlehem was slain by the cruelty of Herod, save the one whose life he aimed at, the only one whom he cared to destroy. End of chapter 13